A Chance Meeting, Chapter 11 The high steel bridge crossed a fluffy white sea. We'll take it over the clouds, the captain said to the girls. I was no older than you when I crossed this bridge for the first time. The campsite is just on the other side, down the small volcano. Let's break here and catch our breath before the final push. Hungry from the hike, the girls scavenged in their packs. Veronica retrieved a granola bar and Maddie an apple. Together, they rested on some nearby rocks, gazing at scarlet wildflowers as birdsong filled the air. Veronica heard footsteps. Two hikers approached from the south, a silver-haired man and a blonde-haired boy. The man seemed to be at least 70 years old, and the boy no older than 12. Howdy! yelled the old-timer in a thin, high voice. On the way to Mount Mystery, too? Yes, sir, the captain said. Made our way over Magma Pass. How about you? From New Lava City, thank goodness, the old man said, with a nod to the angry northern sky. It's my grandson's first time. He has his crazy idea of finding pearls. Kids never change, I guess. Me, I'm too old for this. It should be his parents out here, but his father, he never met the boy, and his mother, she lost interest in mystery years ago. Spends all her time working in some high-rise over yonder, investing in a life she doesn't live. Set in the shadow of the great volcano, New Lava City was the region's only metropolis. Its wealthy residents competed for the best view, erecting skyscraper after skyscraper, each one higher than the last. But unlike a normal city, its weathermen not only forecasted the rain and snow, they also predicted the ash and how many inches of it would fall each day. The Great Volcano marked every aspect of city life. Huge retractable roofs protected the outdoor shopping centers, and ash plows were a common sight on the avenues in all seasons. By law, all apartment buildings, offices, and stores required the finest HEPA filters. The filters prevented ash clog in the heating and cooling systems and provided the first line of defense against poisonous gas clouds. For all the drawbacks of volcanic living, its citizens never tired of boasting. Numerous billboards lined the roads in and out of the city touting the many benefits of volcanic life. Ash-free 300 days a year. Cheap energy equals good business. Come in for hot springs. Stay for the jobs. How about you find people, the old man said. Where are you from? The captain rolled his eyes. Every city dweller he had ever known praised New Lava City as if it were the center of the universe, as if it were Rome in its heyday, the only right place to live. Crater Lake, he said. The old man's face lit up. You don't say, my favorite place in the world. I'd take the stillness of the lake over the hubbub of the city any day of the week, I'll tell you that. Veronica studied the boy carefully. He looked to be about her height with hair as blonde as Elise's. A slingshot dangled out of one hand, his other hand rummaged in his backpack. She noticed the stitched letters on the front of his pack, David Hyde Moulton. Your last name is really Moulton? Veronica asked, gobsmacked. Veronica Pearl Moulton, she thought, wishing she had a volcanic last name too. The boy nodded. He plopped himself down on a large rock and produced a box of crackers. Can I have one? Maddie asked. He removed a handful and loaded his slingshot. 
An orange cracker bounced off Maddie's lips and into the dirt. The second one landed in her mouth. She ducked for cover, not sure what to make of the strange boy. But just as quickly, he stopped shooting and passed her the whole box. She took it eagerly. The old man, meanwhile, wrestled to remove what looked like a green metal lunchbox from the bridge. What's that? the captain asked. What's that? the old man teased. Don't you know? This here's a box of dreams. Wanderers like you and me, we come up here to the top of the world and leave our thoughts, our poems, our wishes, our random utterances for the volcano and future wanderers. Been doing it for ages. The captain now noticed eight other canisters attached to the bridge. He could not imagine how, in all his previous trips, he had never noticed them before. Well, he said red-faced, maybe we lake folk really are a bunch of bumpkins after all. The boy helped his grandfather unlatch the container. Scraps of paper blew away on the breeze. The boy raced along the ridge after them, reading each one to himself before returning it to the box. He set aside his three favorites. What do they say? Read them to us, Maddie said. David said nothing. Young David here doesn't speak, the old man said. Not since his brother died. Maddie chose not to pry. Then can you read them? she asked. The old man smoothed the first crumpled note over his knee and read it out loud. Please make my mom well. Make her sing and dance again. Are you listening? Then he read the second. You are not alone. You can never be alone. My blood stains your feet. The third was longer with each line written in a different hiker's hand. Proud cloud forest, dim, damp wood. How well you must know the sunrise and listen to the night. To say you know this place is to say you know yourself. Whisper your secrets to the heavens. Teach us, we lovers of change, how to improve a forest. Humanity sprouts now, but not forever. Maddie giggled. But a tree can't watch the sunrise, she said. It doesn't have eyes. Young lady, said the old man, as if offended. Look around. You think you know more than a tree? Why, because you can talk? Because you have ears? The redwoods talk to the wind. They listen to the birds. They... I, I just meant... Maddie stammered. It's just a tree and trees can't, you know, see. The boy shook his head. He had heard his grandfather's spiel before. And what just are you? The old man said. You're here because the sun is here, the earth is here, the fish are here, the plants are here, the animals are here. You are here because your mother and father and their mothers and fathers who had mothers and fathers are all here, still in you. You depend on everything and everything depends on you. He scribbled madly on a scrap of paper, reading as he wrote, The dead are a gift to the living and the living to the dead. Touch a thousand people and live a thousand lives. With her own paper, Veronica thought about the old man's words. She thought about her sister, and she thought about the boy. She scrawled on the paper so no one could see, stuffed it in the box, and said, This is a future letter to me. Dear Veronica, mystery is everywhere, but you have to look. Happy face. Love always, Veronica. Maddie, meanwhile, said nothing. She did not care at all for the old man's advice or his manner of dispensing it. 
She scarfed down more crackers and joined the boy who flipped through a photo book of volcano pearls. Together, they admired the many sizes and colors, hoping they'd find at least one somewhere, anywhere on the mysterious monster looming just beyond. After a time, the captain cleared his throat. Break time is over, girls, he said. Next stop, camp. He turned to the old man. It was a pleasure meeting you, and I hope to see you again on this quest or the next. And you, he added to the boy, take care of your grandpa, and remember, safety before pearls. The pleasure was mine, the old man said. But before you go, know this and promise me you won't forget it. Both girls leaned in as if to receive a secret. Now listen, the old man said. No matter what happens, no matter how many pearls you find, you must remember this one thing. Leave some for us, he laughed, or at least he meant to, but it came out as a deep, phlegmy cough. Veronica's dad and the captain shook his hand and set off on their way. The old man and the boy sat and snacked, watching the other step onto the bridge and disappear into the distance.